Mac Power Users, episode 643, WWDC 2022. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am here today, joined in person for the first time since 2019, my good friend and yours, Stephen Hackett. Hey, it feels good to do this in person. Yeah, I'm looking across at you dreamily. We're in the very fancy Apple uh, uh, developer studio. They got a great mic set up for us. Yeah, it's very well lit in here, yeah. which is strange. This is way better than we normally record at. So <laughs> if we sound great. a little weird, that's probably why today. Yeah, sound better. Yeah. Um, the uh, So, Stephen, you and I, we met up last night. Um, in San Jose, and then this morning, we both woke up early, and we got invited. Gang, I know I had planned to go with Johnny in the plane, but I decided at the end to go with Steven instead. Yeah, here we are. And uh, so, uh, we got to go into uh, Apple Park this morning and watch the WWDC presentation. We're recording this like an hour after it ended. Yeah. <laughs> so this is definitely uh, more of a hot take episode than, than we normally do, but um, at the same time, it's, it's very exciting. It is. It is definitely exciting. We are, uh, it's so good to be back in person and you know, WBDC I think has been great as a virtual only event, but everyone I've talked to from developers to people at Apple have all really harked on like the, the value of at least some of the community being here and, They've got almost 40 million developers now, so you can't put all those people in one place. But each year, if we can bring a small percentage of people out, I think it's great. And how cool it is to be here in Cupertino, to be on the campus, get to see things up close that you know normally you just see photos of on the internet. Yeah, I, I really just can't emphasize enough how impressive Apple Park is. I mean, I was telling Stephen earlier, it feels to me like a wonder of the world kind of building, mm -hmm. like the same effort that would go into building the, the pyramids. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it is gang. If you ever have an opportunity, I know it's not really open to the public, but it's, it's just remarkable the sheer scope of it. And like, if you look around, just every little detail is so refined. I mean, I, it's really hard to express. It is awe-inspiring. I mean, yeah. even like the bumper stops, like in the front of parking spots, are yeah. like cut to be a certain shape. Yeah. You know, they didn't just go, I don't know who sells those. Like, I guess there's a parking lot company. Yeah. They didn't just buy them off the shelf. Right? Like, everything is like custom made. And I think it, it's like, um, to me, it's like a physical representation of that level of detail Apple has in its products. Yeah. Right. Something that we talk a lot about on the show is like fit and finish. That's definitely evident here. And I think even especially in the building, we're in so we're sitting in the the new developer center yeah uh it's outside of the ring it's across the street and this is a space i got to tour it yesterday it is a place where apple and developers will be able to interface throughout the year and they've got all these great rooms the rooms are named i'm sure you noticed by mac os 10 releases yeah so i made a joke when we went to the panther room like there wasn't enough brush metal yeah and i, I think i almost got kicked out yeah but, uh, that's like uh well that's all this will be our last trip to wwc yeah, no, no brush metal jokes yeah. but um it, it's cool to see apple working to have a more consistent communication and relationship with developers right and even today as we're going to go through the keynote uh the rest of this show but, you know, there are features that are coming later in the year, and that's like a great opportunity to sort of reintroduce those concepts or even new APIs to developers to bring them into their apps. I think we're, I think Apple's moving to a world, from what I can tell, that WDC is still going to be the high point, but there's going to be more throughout the year for those building on their platforms. And like, I mean, it's amazing for us to be here, and I, I would 
I would imagine it's the same if you're a developer out there working on an iPhone app or a Mac app or something to like be able to come out here for a week with your code, with your designs and work with people to improve it or to incorporate new software. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, the number they had quoted during the keynote was I think 36 million developers. It's a lot of people. And you know, when they were in San Jose, I think that was like a two to 4,000. I don't remember what the number was. Uh, today, I would assume there was somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people. I mean, it, it's such an infinitesimally small percentage yeah. of 36 million. And uh, I do think there was a certain degree of excitement that everybody had been at Apple Park, you know, at the place where a lot of the features and the things that we're excited about are being developed. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if this continues. I actually, I, um, when we, after, we'll get to kind of the stuff we did, but at one point we got, brought to a room where we got to see the new MacBook Air. And at some point, Phil Schiller standing next to me, like, I didn't expect that, right? <laughs> like, hey, hey, buddy. Yeah, you know, and like, you know, cutting edge reporter that I am, I knew I had a minute to ask him a question. So I asked him, where did you get all those chairs? Because the, <laughs> the chairs were like solid wood. They were nice chairs, you know, but, but actually I talked to him about uh, the WWC event and, and I think they are really, you know, trying to figure out what's the best. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they don't have a 36 million seat theater. So they're trying to figure out how to do this going forward. And I think this year uh, they got people here and, you know, it's still a weird year. I mean, we have to take COVID tests and everybody's masked up. And I mean, they're taking a lot of, of safety precautions. Uh, but I do think that um, it felt really good to kind of be in the same room with developers and Apple folk and kind of feel the love uh, for what they're working on. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about maybe the setup of the keynote for us. I mean, most people experience streaming it at home. Uh the developers and us in the media, we were ushered in to Apple Park and there's Cafe Max, which is the cafeteria. And people may remember this from when the campus opened. The thing, I mean, it's four or five stories tall and it's got these huge doors. It's like someone, I think our friend Underscore was like, it's like an airplane hangar. Yeah. These huge doors that open up. But they're glass. They're glass. Yeah. And it has, uh, they had the stage outside and people... Uh, sitting outside back towards the building. So we were we were right inside, so we were in the shade the whole time, thankfully. And it was really cool. Tim Cook and Craig Federighi opened it in person. I feel like Tim Cook leans into like the good morning. It's kind of a bit yeah. of a meme now in the community. Yeah. I feel like he leans into it. Um, but it was it was really cool to uh, to have that energy back. I mean, you and I got to attend in 2019 and that room was just electric, right? Yeah. And to have some of that, it was different because it's outside and, you know, it's people are in masks. It's, it's a little bit of a different vibe, of course. But to have it here in this place felt really special. And I'm glad we were able to do it. And I hope they continue to do it this way. And just from a technology standpoint, they had a screen there that was outside in the sun. Yeah. And spotless California morning. I mean, sun. And, and we... And at some point, the sun was directly on the screen. And I, when I first sat down, I'm like, oh, there's no way we'll be able to see this. And I don't know how many, was it lumens is the, like, you know. Yeah. Nits. It, a maybe, bajillion. Uh, maybe they had a, a XDR screen in each pixel, like, yeah. compressed in. I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, it was, it looked amazing. At, at one point, I was like, you know, that looks, a, it's a little dim. And I realized I was wearing my sunglasses, so I took them yeah. off, and that helped. Um, but the, uh but it's amazing. And then the other thing is you've got this huge outdoor space. You've got all these people. Like, so if you can picture it, gang, 
there's an open area where there's a lot of people seated in very nice chairs. And then that you asked about that I asked about. <laughs> and then you get to the um, to the actual ring and they had the big hangar doors open and then they had people on the inside who didn't want to be in the sun. And they had a separate set of, of screens in there for them because they were pretty far away. But they had to get the audio to work. I, you know, th these are the kinds of things that amaze me, but they had to make the audio work. So people sitting in the front row way down by the screen versus people who were way back uh, and you didn't have a delay in the audio. I'm just imagining a ton of effort went into that whole thing. I I'd love to get a story on that someday to find out how they could make a screen that works in the bright sun and how they got out of the audio. But anyway. That, oh, it was cool. Yeah, you and I nerd cool. out about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the production value was incredible. And I'd thought about that when we were invited and then when they first announced it, that people will be invited to Apple Park, assuming it was going to be outside, thinking about all those technical issues. Because you know, that's a lot of my background is that sort of stuff. And they really put it together well. And, yeah, it felt like um, – I mean, obviously, like we're coming into Apple's home, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. sort of unusual. Yeah. But it was good to connect with people, and uh, they've got this building, and they have the visitor center, which of course has an Apple store in it, so you can go pick up a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, and this is—it's just kind of become this hub of activity. And it's yeah. been good to relive it because, you know, I've gone every year since thirteen, and I, I missed it. You know, yeah. it's good to be back. Yeah, and uh, everybody that is here is having a good time, and um, I think they're really, you know making an effort to be welcoming and uh, I, I feel it the uh, a couple other things that stood out just in general about the building like the door handles are it's like it's not like you know what i mean it's not the door handle in my house or the do door handle you're just gonna go down to home depot and buy like i mean this is really gross but at one point i went to the bathroom and i just looked in the stall i had to see like this is a five billion dollar building i was open the stall it's dark in there i'm like it's dark why is it dark? And I just step in and the lights don't turn on. They fade up. <laughs> you wow. know? I didn't need it, but I had to check it out anyway. But the, uh, just like, and then when you walk in between inside and outside and you look at those panes of glass that they use to make those doors, they had to like invent new technology yeah. to make those doors. And they just like float there and there's, I don't know how much weight there is in those doors, but it's crazy. Um, another architectural detail that is, is just shocking is the Steve Jobs Theater. Um, we were lucky enough to get in there, too. And the seal, there's no columns holding the ceiling up. It's a single-piece disc. Yeah. And this has been written about, but air, the walls are all glass, and they figured out a way to like line up the, um, the conduit and the electrical and whatever in between the glass. And having grown up in California, I was telling somebody this this morning, it's like, it's almost a little nerve wracking, like being in this building. Cause you think, man, if an earthquake hits, I'm going to be pancaked in this thing, but it's not because the whole thing is built around this. It, you know, it is just a, um, anybody interested in architecture, it, 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 go online, look at the pictures of this place and they, they don't do it justice. But, uh, now having been there, I am, I am truly impressed. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Did you know that 1Password 8 for Mac is here? Head over to onepassword.com, download it today. For 1Password, the Mac is where it all began back in 2006. I remember I was there. I saw them building the application for the first time in Macworld. I've been running the new version since it was in beta, and I like it. 
they've got some really nice new features like the ability to summon one password from anywhere on your Mac just by hitting command slash to bring up that quick access menu so you can look up credentials and fill them into any app or website. Lately I've been dealing with Zoom a lot on a second Mac and now it's always logged out no matter where I go. It feels like Zoom just can't remember and it's that quick access I'm using from one password to keep things caught up for me and, and get logged in. It's also got smart suggestions now, so it can give you contextual suggestions for any app you have open, so you can autofill in a flash and get back to work without missing a beat. And that's exactly how I've been doing it with my little Zoom problem. For the first time, you can now use universal autofill in Mac apps. So one password fills usernames, passwords, and one-time two-factor authentication codes to sign you in effortlessly. And of course, they support biometric unlocks. So if you've got a Touch ID keyboard, you can unlock with just a touch. Or you can use your Apple Watch, and you can unlock with your Apple Watch. There's just a whole lot to like about 1Password 8. So go check it out. Head over to OnePassword.com and download 1Password 8 now and start using it on your Mac. Thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. If you'd like to get 20% off your 1Password subscription, just go to OnePassword.com slash MPU in all caps to get that 20% off. Once again, that's OnePassword.com slash MPU. Don't miss it. And thanks, 1Password, for all of your support. So instead of doing this sort of platform by platform, we wanted to focus, particularly in this episode, about some of the productivity features. And most of these are coming across the range, iPhone, iPad, and Mac. And I wanted to start with, uh, actually with the, the lock screen. That's what we see when we open up our, you know, we tap our devices and they wake up. And it's really been the same for a long time. I mean, when notifications first showed up in like iOS 4 or 5, I think 5 brought Notification Center, you know, they've been the home for notifications and you have your wallpaper and you got the clock, but it's really been sort of a, a corner of the OS that has been unchanged. And they really seem to go all out this year. And what I thought was interesting is it feels very inspired by Apple Watch and its face customization, like some of the UI is similar where you can pick your widgets. Um, but they went a lot further than that. You can customize fonts and colors and really make it your own. Yeah, the other vibe I got from that, and uh, John Gruber and I were talking about this earlier, is it reminds me of the original uh, iPhone. You know, because the original iPhone wasn't, you didn't really have a passcode, right? Yeah. You just swiped it, and then you saw your data immediately. And now it's kind of in that vein, too. You know, you get your quick data. And I guess to summarize the feature for folks who haven't watched the keynote yet, um, they added a couple things. First of all, like Stephen was saying, the portrait mode from the Apple Watch face, the portrait face, now is on the home screen of your iPhone. So, like if you have a picture of your your uh, your wife or your kids or your spouse, and I noticed in you know when they have those grid screens uh, where they have all the extra features, mm -hmm. they added dogs and cats. I so saw that. That's cool. So, got a picture of my dog. I can put it there, and then you can separate so the time will show behind yeah. the person. That's cool. Um, and then they've got different font typography, color choices, mm -hmm. and then they've got the ability to add widgets. Yeah, uh, this is, I think, the most exciting thing for me. And some of the examples Apple showed really look like Apple Watch complications, but third-party developers will be able to build their own. In fact, I saw a tweet from our friend Brian, who writes Carrot Weather, 
that in the State of the Union, carrot weather was used as an example, <laughs> which is pretty cool. It's always fun to see your own work on stage. Of course, right? Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to make the phone uh, more useful as like a glanceable device. I mean, I, I think a lot of times, and you know, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people, I'm just going to check the weather or you know do something quick, but then I end up getting sucked into something else on my phone. And just being able to quickly look at it or tap it awake without unlocking it, I think is going to be a really nice interaction. And what's really cool about it and something that I didn't really uh, think about or anticipate is that you can have multiple lock screens. And so you could have one that's got your kids on it with like weekend stuff. And then during the week, you could change something else for work or have different sets of widgets for different times. And so like, I know we talked about this on the show, like you don't have weather. I have a lot of weather where I live. Uh, you know, I could have like a weather focused lock screen and have that up when we're going to have severe weather. And that that's like an additional layer to it because the Apple watch has always had that. And I, it's never really landed for me to have like multiple watch faces in multiple situations. I've got a few that I bounce through, but I don't have like a work one or a personal one. But I think with this, I think on my phone, it's something I will embrace. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to play with it and and get to use it. And I'm so excited that it's using Widget Kit. So developers, I mean, Widget's have been around for two years now. So folks like our friend underscore who builds Widget Smith, like he's already ha- he already has two years of experience with this technology. And now Apple's extending it further. And so I think on day one, there could be some really exciting stuff for this. Yeah, and another feature you get with multiple lock screens is the ability to switch between focus modes, which really got me perked up because I still use focus modes all the time. And so you could have a focus screen like for work focus and one for personal, or I've got a lot more than that. But you can swipe through the lock screens and it toggles your focus mode. And then it also would toggle your home screen. I yeah. mean, the I guess totally we, changes like everything about your phone. Exactly. You know, and so like you could for the home one, it could have pictures of your kids and Instagram. And then for work, it could have, you know, your work apps and yeah. whatever. And the I guess we should just take a minute to talk about the state of our devices um, because we're only like an hour off the keynote. Yeah. The iPad you're sitting in front of is running the beta already. Yeah. I got it installed just as we started. So I haven't figured it out yet. And the funnier part is there's a listener to the show. Who's a good friend of mine. I've known him for 30 years and he got a new Mac studio. He's like, Hey, do you want to borrow my 14 inch MacBook pro? He's like, he's trying to get me to buy it off him. Cause I've been looking for like a portable MacBook, And I'm like, well, can I just borrow it for this week? That I'm going up North. I didn't tell him, I'm installing the beta on his machine. So he's probably hearing this right now, slamming something against a wall. But, <laughs> uh, but that one didn't get installed in time for us to really talk about in the show. But yeah, so this is, um, but this focus feature, I, I really like the idea of that. So, you know, you can swatch focuses with, uh, with shortcuts. You can do it with the little, um, you know, pull down menu. There's a lot of different ways to do it now, but another way to do it is just swipe your home screen. I think that'll be good. And frankly, and we're going to get into productivity more, but I really am happy to see Focus get more attention. The on-ramp for Focus, I think, has been a, was been, was a little clunky in version one. Like the include versus exclude, and like if you have a new contact going around and adding them all to your Focus modes. I haven't seen it in action yet, but it seems like from what people have been saying online that that's been streamlined a little bit, which I think is is really good. And yeah, I just I love that they 
with the new lock screen feature, right? Like they're that they've sort of married it with focus because it like yeah, like the entire device should change context, not just notifications in the home screen. Um, you can also in focus now filter out content within applications. And this will be an API so third-party developers can manage it. But what I'm excited about, honestly, is mail accounts. So I can have my personal email on all the time, but on the weekend, turn off my work email. Yeah. Because I, I I use mail app for all three, and so I'm just in all three all the time. And it would be awesome to like have a weekend focus mode that gets rid of some of that stuff. And being able to 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 like focus is like sinking deeper and deeper into the OS this year. It's a weird analogy, yeah. but it, uh, you know, it's showing up in more places. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic. You know, bringing it to messages, bring it to mail, but really what I'm excited about is bringing it to third party apps via that API and yeah. letting developers, like if you run a third-party mail app or if you're in something like like Slack, for instance, right? Like you and I are in the Relay Slack with like 50 people, but I'm also in a couple of Slacks with like friends and like that are, you know, you know, a group of college friends and stuff. And so being able to like, if I want to turn certain Slack channels on and off at certain times, if they embrace that API, like that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And I, I just feel like um, more effort on focus is good. And I hope everybody is trying it out. We did a lot of coverage on it last year. We'll cover it more. But um, the easier it is to get it started, the more useful it is. I mean, I, I've been in focus mode while I've been up here. And I, uh, I don't know, I just, I just really like seeing additional effort go into that. I was a little afraid, you know, that that was going to be it last year. But clearly people are using it. They're putting more resources into it. And it's going to get only better. Yeah. Then we got something called Stage Manager. Stage Manager. Yeah, this opened up, and uh, Craig was showing Mission Control, which has been on the Mac since OS X Lion, which is expose, and then you have your spaces up at the top. And for the most part, Mission Control works really well for me. But he was like, Mission Control is too cluttered, <laughs> and it's still there. They didn't get rid of it. Stage Manager, though, is it's an additional window organization tool but it's also a tool designed to help you focus on the task at hand, focus lowercase f, not like focus the feature. And basically how it works is you can have one window or multiple windows and they can overlap, including on the iPad. So this is on the Mac and the iPad, we should say. And all of your other app windows are sort of stacked up to the left side of the screen. And they kind of like desktop stacks, but they're like a, like a, I wrote in my notes, a jaunty angle. <laughs> like, yeah, and bigger. And bigger. And so if you, so say for instance, you have three Safari windows open and four pages windows open. The other ones you're not looking at are stacked off to the side. You can switch between them really easily. And there's a single click to get to the desktop and drag and drop works from the desktop into those applications. And I find it so interesting that it's, I mean, that it's on the Mac. Like, it feels really at home on the iPad. And, you know, I think I think they want the Mac and the iPad to feel like closer cousins. Um, but I'm really curious to get to try it because I think some of the other window management stuff they've brought to the Mac, like some of the split screen stuff on Mac OS, I feel like isn't quite right or kind of like kind of weird to get in and out of. But if this is as fluid as it looks, then... 
uh, I think it'll be a nice addition. I'm just curious to try it. Now you can try it on your iPad. You can go into Control Center and turn it on, and uh, and play with it some and give us some. This is the hottest possible take. You're yeah. <laughs> playing with it first time right now. First, I got to find the switch. Oh, yeah, there it's it in, is. In I Control think, Center. I think somewhere. that's it right there. There's a switch. And let's see here. Yeah, just I'll talk. About, oh, what? Huh? What? Look at that. Yeah, oh, I've got it. It's working. The um, b- Before I talk about what I'm seeing right now, I feel like there's been a lot of efforts to make window management better on the Mac. And it's interesting, when they made the announcements today, we had heard kind of through the grapevine that iPad OS is going to get some updates. And as they were going through the order of events, the iPad kept getting pushed back, and they did the Mac before they did iPad. Yeah, you leaned over and you were like, no iPad yet, no iPad yet. <laughs> yeah, because I just, and then when they announced Stage Manager, I thought, and I saw it in the Mac, I'm like, oh, that's it. They're going to do it on both platforms, and that's what they did. And I think that is really smart. And I think about that, you know, there's really two users we're, we're thinking about here. The Mac power users, our audience, and we're also thinking about the non-power users, and that uh, the representation of that is my wife, right? And over the years, I've tried to get her to use Mission Control. I've tried to get her to use Spaces. When I put something on a Space, as far as she's concerned, it just fell off the edge of her computer, <laughs> right? I mean, sure. And I explained to her, you know, three finger swipe, really easy. Four finger swipe. She, it just, it just does not like sync at all with her. Whereas this is very visual. It puts it right on your screen, um, and I feel like for the non-power users, I feel like this is probably the most likely to succeed of anything I've ever seen them do. Yeah, it reminds me of single window mode in the very early versions of OS X, like the public beta days. Yeah, and it was it was it wasn't this, but the it was kind of a similar idea, and there have been there are even some third-party utilities whose names escape me at the moment, that basically do this. Like if you switch into App X, all of the other apps hide automatically. But I think doing it in a way where you have your active windows, but then you also have everything sort of like visibly available to you, you know, like they're not hiding the apps. They're not buried. They're just over there on the side. Um, yeah, I can see how people who who struggle with window management on the Mac – may really find that to be a useful thing. I right. consider it that angle. You want my hot take now that I've been using it for three minutes? That's enough, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to hand my iPad over to you oh so you can gosh. play with it too. But Everyone in this room looks very nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I think it's very easy to grok. So it makes your app a little, I mean, by default, makes your, your app a little smaller. Um, but it still generally fills up the screen on the left side. You can see your apps. It's just a question of touching it. They jump back and forth. There's a little curved um, line in the bottom right corner. So you can drag it to back to full screen if you want. And, um, this feels to me the closest, I think this is the kind of rethink we were, we were looking for. Yeah. I mean, we're playing with it on an iPad and yeah, this is really cool. And having the resizable overlapping windows on the, on the, on the iPad feels wild um yeah it feels uh, steven, really steven nice. what are you doing on my banking site yeah oh i'm just uh paying myself for the okay so that's uh, all right i'm not on your banking website come on uh <laughs> yeah this is really cool and i think i mean this is the 11 inch ipad pro yeah so we should mention stage manager for the ipad re- requires the m1 yeah so the new ipad air and the ipad pros from last year yeah um this would be 
not as great on my iPad mini. <laughs> like I understand. And I'm sure it's a lot of horsepower to do all this. Yeah. Um, but that is a feature for the M1 iPads, uh, best of my understanding. But yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. So getting back to the non-power users, I feel like learning this language, whether you learn it on a Mac or an iPad, will make it very easy to go between your Mac and your iPad and use it. So I think that's a win. Yeah. The question for me is for power users. Like, is this something power users are going to use? I, I don't know. And, and the next level of it, let me grab my iPad real quick. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, the next level of it is you can put up to four windows on the screen at once. I don't know. Does that give you, because you have like bets or your, uh, you have your contest going on. Oh, connected. Yeah. Does that help you? Yeah. My prediction was overlapping windows. So well, I, I score that you, point you on got that, that show. Point. Yeah. So, so four windows at a time on a screen on an iPad. You know, guys, we're getting there. You know, I feel like yeah. it's it's the kind of progress I've been looking for. Yeah, and on the iPad, uh, which is gaining full support for external displays, uh, the stage manager, I'm going to call them instances. I don't really know what to call them. It's separate on the iPad and the external display. And so you can have eight windows open. Yeah. And you can imagine, like, you have an iPad Pro and, say, that new 27-inch studio display. Yeah. Like that'd be a pretty killer setup if you're an iPad power user, yeah. because you can have things on the iPad screen that require the pencil, you know, for instance, and then you move it up to the bigger screen. You want it bigger. I think that's going to be uh, really cool to follow. People like Federico, Chris Lawley, these other sort of like iPad power users that we know. Yeah, seeing how that is embraced on the iPad is going to be uh, be interesting to me. And my, my guess is that Mac users and iPad users who like fall in love with it will use it both places. And I think that's Apple's goal, that consistency. Yeah. And we gl glanced over it, but no longer do you have a mirrored mode on an external display. You've got a separate external display. Yeah, like a, like a Mac. You've got different apps over there. You can work with them. And again, I would have to like set one up because you really need to have a mouse and keyboard to really make that work. Cause you obviously your external display doesn't a touch surface. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of people that have been looking for that feature mm -hmm. and I'm really curious to see not only how the users incorporate it, but how that changes the way people make iPad apps. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be neat to see that. Speaking of iPad apps, we can also now add toolbar uh, components, custom toolbars. Yeah. So this is part of bringing more of sort of the Mac idiom to the iPad. So in document-based apps on the Mac, like Pages or Preview, for a long time now, you've been able to do things like rename the file from the title bar and some of that stuff. And so some of that's coming over to the iPad and, uh, and some other things coming to iPadOS where you have um, like system-wide kind of overhaul of uh, find and replace, undo, redo, a lot of this stuff was different depending on the app you were in or maybe even non-existent depending on the app you were in. And so seeing that graduate to the system level is a good move. You know, just as you've been talking, I've been sitting here changing and resizing windows. It's pretty intuitive, you know. It, it makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think this is going to be really nice on the Mac too. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Sourcegraph. So you've hired a brilliant developer that's great, but now you have to get them onboarded. If your company is growing, onboarding new developers is going to become a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is getting up to speed with the project their new team has already been working on. This can be tricky if the code bases that your developers are working in are already large. 
Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move quickly, even in big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is the most useful when it's findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, if not even more, how do you make knowledge accessible to those who need it most? Sourcegraph is a code intelligence platform, giving developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in difficult situations. Teams without Sourcegraph often rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, both of which are cumbersome and time-consuming. But with Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do bubble up, you know that it's about the big stuff that's worthy of that extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of the top five tech companies, plus companies like PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and more. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world are using Sourcegraph and to see what Sourcegraph can do for your company. Just click the link in the show notes to let them know you heard about them from us. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for their support of Mac Power users. Okay, so we've been talking on the show about like cooking ideas and um, and drawing apps for the purpose of of idea generation and yeah. and my general kind of unhappiness. Like there's some apps that are good, but they don't sync everywhere, and there's some web services. So Apple dropped a new app today called Freeform, and they introduced it in the uh, context of um, of collaboration and it's kind of like it appears to be an infinite canvas whiteboard app yeah it's coming uh, later this year but to iOS Mac OS and iPad OS it's really it was really interesting to me because a lot of the UI looks like the Apple pencil UI you get notes yeah but notes is as good as notes is and it really is good uh, it's not like it's not really like a whiteboard app that's completely, well, the name is right there, Freeformed, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is going to be awesome if you are, you know, you're working on the, your next field guide and you're in that idea creation stage. Yeah. You can sketch and mind map and do all these things in it with the pencil, but also with the, the collaboration features, um, which are, are broader than Freeform. Uh, we'll get to those in a second, but being able to do that with somebody. Like, I could see... You know, you know, you and I, we we generally meet every week about the show, but about once a quarter, we try to have like a big planning call. Yeah. And usually we do that in front of like Google Docs sheets because that's where our schedule lives. But like even with that, like or if we're just like in the flow of something, it'd be really cool to open this up and just like sketch out ideas and talk about things. And I think the the reach and breadth of an app like this is really unlimited. Like it, it is one of those things where you don't have to be like a fancy, like in a fancy design agency, no. you know, like to need something like this. Like, you know, um, I'll give you an example. My wife and I are talking about redoing the flower beds at our house. Okay. We have a friend who is actually a landscape designer. So we're talking about hiring her, you know, a friend yeah. we've known a long time to help us pick out where to put things and how it would look. And I, I think of somebody like her, like, an app like this with collaboration means that she doesn't have to like do it on a paper notebook if she doesn't want to, right? Like she could sit down with an iPad and I could be 
in my office or out of town or something and like walk through things like it could be useful to all sorts of people i mean i think i'm like low-key like most excited about freeform me too i mean i i um i don't know i said earlier i think it is an infinite canvas app and we're recording this like i said very shortly after the keynote so i haven't been able to get confirmation on that but yeah if that's the and case it's not even out in the beta so it's going to be a while for anyone sees it yeah but if that is the case that is exactly what i want i want something where i can grow the document over time yeah. I, I you know as a as a lawyer i used to get these big pieces of post-it notes you know they're like two feet by three feet. Mm-hmm. They're made to stick on a wall and use a big Sharpie yeah, and write yeah, on yeah. And I would just lay one on my desk and use a pencil and put a, start mapping a case on that with a pencil and fill up the whole thing. At some point I'd look like an ax murderer or something <laughs> or serial killer, but the, uh, but the, uh, but it worked. And you know, I've always wanted that experience on the iPad and I have looked for things. In fact, last year I got thinking, well, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll take a piece of wood and I'll make some storage and I'll make, I'll, I'll have some frosted glass pieces made and I'll just keep like a, like a data bank of those on my desk that I can pull out because there's just the app I want isn't there. I mean, this real this app really speaks to me. I need to see it and use it. And then the icing on the cake for this is the collaboration that, you know, Stephen and I could have that open and work on it jointly at the same time. Yeah, the collaboration goes further than just Freeform. Uh, they showed off, uh, basically you're in a group iMessage thread and then you bounce into a FaceTime call and then you're in like a pages document and apple like i work in particular has had collaboration for a while but this is this is really kind of bringing some of those other pieces together and like safari's going to have it notes is going to have it and again like some of the other stuff we've talked about there's an api for it so if you know one of these other whiteboarding apps like wants to get on the collaboration stuff, it seems like they'll be able to do that. And I think that's fantastic. You know, I think uh, these features that Apple's rolling out to their first party apps should be available to the third party developers. It's kind of hard to imagine how far that'll go, but I think there are a lot of developers out there who are excited about bringing some of these features into their apps at the same time Apple is, right? Like you can come out the same time uh, the, the, the OS updates do and be ready and Again, it's all coming to all three platforms. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I never, the thing I stopped dreaming about came true. We got updates to Apple Mail. We did. We did get updates to Apple Mail. Let me just read these features to you, David. Undo send. Yeah. Scheduled send. Follow-up suggestions. uh, Reminders. And a overhauled in-app search that can also surface attachments. It's a pretty good list. I was extremely happy about this list. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been a, a mail user since I started on the Mac in high school a thousand years ago. And it is, I mean, mail is rock solid, but it has fallen a little behind on some of these features. And I was glad that they tackled a bunch of them. Yeah, you know, you and, know? They, and they brought them to all three platforms. So, like, you can delay send on your phone, your iPad, or your Mac, and and all of this stuff. And then I just like on my since I'm sitting here goofing off with the beta, I just added a bunch of tools to my toolbar. Yeah. So I've just added a bunch of the new features. Customizable there. toolbar, baby. Yeah. So it, it does feel like you know much needed attention. I had heard for a long time that you know Apple Mail 
had a, a massive security overhaul over a course of years. I don't know how much of this is true, but the, uh, but the, uh, you know, mail was a good vector for trouble and between plugins and just, you know, mail people put all sorts of nasty stuff in mail that they send. And, and so I think they spent a lot of time trying to lock it down as much as possible, which is frankly the reason why I keep coming back to Apple mail, because I feel like they get the fundamentals right but they had no icing on their cake. And today we got some icing and that's good. <laughs> yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah, it, it is good. It's good to see these features come and knowing that it's all also, also backed by the other work they've done in Apple mail to not only make it more secure, but also to make it more uh, privacy focused. Some of the anti-track stuff and other things that got added last year. I mean, really this is the second year in a row mail has gotten updates. It's just this year, a lot of these like forward facing features um, or what a lot of people have have wanted for a long time. And I'm excited to see them. You know, I'm excited to see, in particular, the scheduled send, because I do find myself sometimes replying to emails, and I don't want the other person to know that I'm working at 1030 on a Friday night. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, this can go out Monday morning. <laughs> I switched to FastMail this year, and I just recently started using the FastMail app because it got scheduled send, and now it's back in Apple Mail, so it's great, you know. Uh, good stuff. Uh, this is something we're, we're just going to have to test and see how it works through the beta. I mean, it's early days, but the fact that somebody stood up in an Apple keynote and said, let's talk about Apple mail. I mean, I think you said to me down boy or something. Yeah. I was like, Take it easy. <laughs> yeah. I was ready. I was ready yeah, for that. Charge the stage in excitement. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. And, and some of those sort of message focus things like the undo send, uh, that's coming to messages as well. Yeah. And you can, um, and it got a good laugh, I think, because of like Twitter and Elon, but like yeah. you can edit a message. Like yeah. there's a time window. I saw a, a tweet from Jano Stern. I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but there's a, there's a time window in which you can do those things in a message thread, yeah. which makes sense, right? But, um, you know, mail and messages are like kind of siblings and having some of these these features added to them, like it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of us spend a lot of time in our email and a lot of time in messages. I mean, yeah, like too much time. Another time you had to push me back in my chair was when they talked about dictation. Yeah. Yeah. So what's new there? Well, they added a feature and Google has recently done this in Google docs where you can dictate, but at the same time type on the document. And this is a really powerful feature because you know, traditionally dictation has needed to control the device. They it needs to know exactly what's on the screen because yeah. when you start talking, if there's words or letters where it doesn't expect them to be, the dictation is going to fall apart. So they added this feature in Google Docs. In fact, I have half produced a video for the Max Berkey Labs about uh, taking Apple to task, saying, "Man, you know, they need something like this, right?" And and uh, I don't know if I'm going to release that video now because now they have it. Uh, so, so basically they made a feature where you can be dictating but at the same time being using your finger to select words on the screen yeah. or using your keyboard. So dictation now is part of an overall input. Uh, you know, historically you were typing or you were dictating. Well, now you can type. It was and modal. Exactly. And so now you can type and you can dictate. So suddenly dictation becomes more useful. Because, yeah. like, you may be dictating and think, well, I'm just going to type this next sentence because it's 
you know, I need to like work it out of my fingers or whatever. And that's great. Or if you're like, I like to do the rough dictation, but then go into my keyboard and fix things. You can be dictating. You can just tap it with your finger and then redictate the word, or you can type it in. It's just way more, um, yeah, it, it's less modal. So yeah. it's, it's a more integrated process. Dictation can be a tool that, that goes along with other things you do, which hopefully makes it more useful. They also stated that it's all on device. That's hugely important to me. Yeah. And so it's not going up to the internet and, um, you know, I like, again, that the keynote time is being ded dedicated to dictation. I'm a big fan of it. It does get words into your computer faster. That's really awesome. I mean, they, they said they have 18, I think it was 18 billion dictation requests a month. Yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a big feature. Yeah. So that, so other than me, there's 17 billion a month. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> You're a billion a month. Just, yeah. just you, no, just I, Davis Parks. I, I use it a lot. Like, I, yeah. It's just so easy to get a first draft in. If you've never done it, I encourage you, even with the existing one. They didn't talk about, and I need to do some testing about, you know, can we disable the timer and stuff? Because there's a timer on dictation, at yeah. least on iOS. They and, did say they are adding punctuation. Oh, yeah, that's which right. Which is great, too, because yeah. we've all done it. We're like, uh, you know, David, can I come to your house after the keynote? Question mark. I will bring barbecue, yeah. exclamation point, right? And they're going to infer a lot of that based on your timing and... And I guess like the sentence structure and whatnot. I'm very curious to see. Maybe you can report back in a, next week about I how will. about how that goes. Because I mean, I don't. It's not my area of expertise, but that seems like a very complicated topic to to tackle. And if they've done it well, that'll be super exciting. I mean, I spent 30 years dictating for for people to transcribe me. So yeah. I learned to dictate punctuation it'll actually be hard for me not to put punctuation <laughs> in but if they i think i could learn you know if they can get it right and this is a instance where artificial intelligence you know comes to the rescue i think the whole push of dictation the last two or three years on apple devices the ability to put it on your device the ability to add um, punctuation frankly the ability to type and dictate at the same time that's all growing out of the artificial intelligence effort i mean i don't think we'd have any of those features without ai and all that ai dedicated silicon on your apple devices yeah they're definitely leveraging just the power we have in these devices for all this great stuff. And it means it can be private and on device and not streaming it all up to the cloud, which I do not want. Well, I, I guarantee you before the day's over, I will dictate a blog post awesome. using the new feature. Good. So we'll talk about it. We, we will look out for that. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Electric. Go to electric.ai slash MPU and unbury yourself from IT tasks. Also, get a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones when you schedule a qualifying meeting. Just last night, my wife was asking me to help her configure, set up, and sign up for her work-related Slack channels. But when it comes to work, if you're focused on building a business, you won't always have time to jump into the rescue when there's a tech issue that needs solving. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. So instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric Acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Look, I know you want to control the tech in your office. I do too. It's hard not to. We're all nerds. You're listening to the Mac Power users. But it's important you delegate a lot of that stuff away because that's not how you pay for your shoes. 
Back when I was at the law firm, they always wanted me to be the IT guy as well. It was really hard because I had to bill hours, but I also had to do all the IT work. It would have been great to have something like electric back then. If you've got something you could be doing better than setting up laptops for your employees, you should check out Electric. And for Mac Power users listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai/mpu. That's e l e c t r i c.ai/mpu. Go there now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a qualified meeting. And our thanks to Electric for their support of the Mac Power users. So we did get some Mac hardware news. Yeah. Which is really cool. So let's start with the M2. So we moved on to the beginning of the second generation of Apple Silicon. It seems like it's it's like the M1 where they started with the consumer level chip in the MacBook Air. Yeah. A um, couple things about the M2. It is has a 50% faster memory controller, but the one I think people care about is you can now spec up an M2 machine to 24 gigabytes of unified memory, yeah, which is fantastic. It was 16 before, uh, four high and four low, uh, four high performance, four high efficiency cores, 18, basically it's 18% faster CPU than the M1 and about 35% faster uh, on the GPU side. So it is a a healthy step up after their initial offering. Yeah, I feel like this really lays the groundwork for people who don't want to buy the Mac Studio, but they want something faster than the existing Mac Mini. Yeah. I feel like that's the next penny to drop. But, but yeah, I mean the you know just to go back in history when we went from Intel to Apple Silicon, we took this monumental leap. You know, two three times the performance, and everybody told you at the time, and that's still true. You're not going to get that jump every time there's a new M-series chip. Yep. Now, it's going to get more incremental. But that being said, this is more incremental than I thought. I mean, it seems like looking, and I haven't done the average, but looking at the various stats, you're looking at least at like about a 20% increase. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. And now if you're happy with your existing M1 MacBook Air, I don't think it's a reason to buy a new one. No, but, I don't either. But if you're coming from Intel, it's just all the more reason. Now is a great time. Yeah. <laughs> um, it also has, you know, neural engine and video encoding and playback uh, areas on the system on a chip. All that's faster. Uh, the M1 now can do 8K H.264. So yeah. bring just, some just of the think about that for a minute. Right? Yeah, MacBook a- Air playing just, back multiple 8K streams. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the MacBook Air itself. Yeah. Apple said it's the best-selling laptop in the world, which is incredible, uh, especially as a long-term Mac user. Uh, it is a new design, and so they have gotten away from the taper design that was there from the very beginning when Steve pulled it out of that envelope. It is the industrial design of the MacBook Pro, more or less, but really thin. And, and uh, you can see pictures online, I'm sure, but what struck me was the headphone jack on the right-hand side of the machine. That's about as thick as the machine is. Yeah. There's very little aluminum above and below it, and it explains why like MagSafe is so thin on the sides of the MacBook Pro, so it fits on the air. And it's at 2.7 pounds, so it's not quite in 12-inch MacBook territory, but it is really lightweight. I mean, I picked it up and, and was immediately impressed. Yeah, it, it really feels... I guess we should say after the event, um, because Steve and I were fancy media for one day, we got into we got to go see the Steve Jobs here, and they had some of the devices there, and it does 
have a significantly less presence in your hand than the MacBook Pro. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Um, it's it's thin and light. The most impressive thing to me is that they've kept it a MacBook Air, right? Like it still feels distinct from the MacBook Pro. There are some spec differences in the screen and a couple other things, but it's got MagSafe, it's got Thunderbolt. It has color-matched MagSafe cables. Yeah. Wait, I saw in the, in the, like the ad video, yeah. I was like, Oh, because I wanted a gray one for my MacBook Pro, and you can buy them separately. It turns out they're $49, and you can get uh, USB-C to MagSafe 3 cables if you want a color match. Um, and the new Air does come in revised... I'm going to call them revised finishes. So you have silver and space gray, and you have starlight, and which is like silver with little gold mixed in, and midnight, which is like space gray with little blue mixed in. Yeah. And um, it's... It's not the iMac colors, which is what I personally wanted, but I think they look really good. And honestly, I think, I mean, we saw all four of them. Like, I was really attracted to the silver. Like, it just, it's it's this, like, little compact silver laptop that I think looks really good. And, uh, I mean, let's just put the cards on the table. I'm super interested in this computer. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, uh... So I said earlier before I left, um, a friend loaned me a 14-inch MacBook Pro, and I think I could buy it off of him for a pretty good price. And I don't think I will, because you know I have a very nice MacBook Pro. I I always would feel I feel kind of weird. I feel kind of self-conscious even admitting on the show right now I have two, although one of them isn't mine. But the uh, but having a little MacBook Air to carry around to get like work done would be kind of nice. I'm looking online right now. the uh, The MacBook Pro is 3.5 pounds. And the new MacBook Air is 2.7. That's the 14 inch. Yeah, so you know it, it is, but it. I think the the thing that strikes you when you pick it up is the thinness of it. I, I guess you know it doesn't. It felt lighter to me, maybe because the in your hand it's so much smaller. You know, but you know you you're not going to have the same power. It's going to be less expensive. Uh, you know, it depends on what kind of computer you need. Um, but I, I really don't want to travel with my big 16 inch if I don't have to. So I'm, I'm also super interested in this. It's not going to be available until later. I guess they said it a month from now. Yeah. And it said next month, next month. And, um, but they already have the builds so you can go on the Apple website and see what the builds are. You can get up to two terabytes of storage. You can get up to 24 gigabytes of uh, Ram. So you can get a pretty decently specced out one with the M2. And uh, the colors to me, this is the first time I've really been in the same room as the, what they call the starlight and the, what was the darker one called? Midnight. Midnight. And honestly, it, looked like, it looked like silver and black to me. It's subtle. You know, and I know there's a little bit of blue and a little bit of gold in the other, the other one, but um, yeah, I wouldn't get too hung up on the colors. Yeah. The starting point of this machine is 1199 the M1 MacBook Air, which retains the wedge shape, you know, that, that yeah. classic design, uh, sticks around at 999 And so this did go up in price a little bit, but uh, they've left the M1, which is still a fantastic machine. And honestly, I think for people looking for machines for a student or just home use, like I would say start at the 999 one. And only go up to the M2 if you feel like you need something that it that it doesn't offer. Um, one cool thing to, to backtrack a second with the with the addition of MagSafe, you can now fast charge MacBook yeah. Air. So it comes with I think a 35 watt charger in the box 
and now you can do a 67 watt fast charger. And my 14 inch Mavic Pro has the ability to fast charge. So I bought the, like, it's like a brick, like a huge MagSafe adapter. Yeah, so it came with my 16 inch. Yeah. yeah. And like, fast charge on a laptop is awesome. And uh, I think MacBook Air users are really going to appreciate that. Even though the battery life is, is just as good as the M1 with a bigger screen and a better processor and like all these things. But uh, fast charge is a nice feature. And I think if you're using one, you know, I think about like college students and stuff, like if you're carrying it a lot, yeah. like, and you don't want to carry a charger or you just, you know, like maybe have a fast charger at your desk. So like if you're at home for lunch or something, it's like fill it up real quick. I think at some point someone told me it's 50% charge in 30 minutes. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I'm serious about the new MacBook Air. So you can get it, you can get a decent charge in it very quickly. I think that'll be a, a, a big point. And also just, you know, thin and light. And, yeah. you know, it's now managing 8K video. It just continues to be a computer that can do a lot. Like yeah. when I travel, like when I'm here in Cupertino or when I go on vacation or when I travel for business, the question I, I have, I mean, the 16-inch was the right decision for me. Yeah, as a, as a home machine. It's a portable recording studio yeah. and because the situation in my house until I finish this build is I really need to be able to move around and I wanted the widescreen because when you screencast for a living you need the widescreen but you know every time I have to get on an airplane with that big thing and it's so expensive I just you know like if I was going on a trip like this trip or on a vacation I could still do production work on a MacBook Air with the current state of them oh yeah you know so We'll see, but I don't know what I'll do. But I've got a, a loaner right now that I've just stuck a beta on, so I may end up having to buy that because I broke it. I don't know. Completely normal thing to do to a friend's laptop. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a good friend. Yeah. I, I'll find out after the show publishes. So gonna, I'm, I'm not going to call friend. him. I'm just yeah. going to wait and see what happens. Yeah. I'm sure I'll hear from him. Yeah. But the uh, either way, um, the uh, I do think that the Mac will hear, and, and I, I have to like fall on the sword because I, I told everybody like, oh, I'm sure we're going to hear about the Mac Pro, but MacBook Air, that's not a WWDC thing. I don't think they're going to do that. And Here it is. I got them both wrong. We didn't that's hear okay. about the Mac Pro at mm -hmm. all, Stephen. We didn't. Yeah. We did hear about the 13-inch MacBook Pro, which I'm just going to say I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. It's it's 12.99. It is the same chassis it has the touch bar still i like just looking at the lineup i don't know why there needs to be a machine at 12.99 that is more or less a macbook air yeah and i don't even know if they i, I just don't know uh if they revised it to have MagSafe on the side or not i hope they did but i, don't, I, I, don't I would think be surprised they i think they said it was the same case the same familiar case. yeah so i'm not i'm not quite sure what the story is with that i mean i know there are people who like the touch bar and and there are people who aspire to have a macbook pro and like i think it's great because the 14 inches a pretty significant jump up in price yeah. but i just i kind of have the feeling i had a few years ago where like maybe the low end of the notebook line is a little confusing well i feel like you know I feel like that you know, we talked about on the show the idea of two MacBook Airs, a small one and a big one. Yeah. Maybe this is a placeholder until a bigger one shows up. I don't know. It'd be sweet. Yeah. So yeah, it's still around. So if you want if you really want a touch bar, it lives on to the M two era. <laughs> and it has um it's got the same you know, all the stuff we talked about the M two is true in both machines. The MacBook Pro retains a single fan, so you do get a little bit better sustained performance, if I remember the reviews of the M1 machines. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the second generation of Apple Silicon is here, and 
like we said at the top of the segment, I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do in a year. And it, it is incremental, but that's what we expected. And it, yeah, if you've got an M1 machine, I don't think you got to run out and do this. No. But it, but if you are holding on to like, especially an Intel MacBook Air or an Intel 13-inch MacBook Pro, like this really feels like the time to, to do it. Yeah, and you know, the problem with the rumor sites is they got us thinking about colors. And uh, <laughs> you already said they have a man. I was just holding today saying, wouldn't this be nice in orange? <laughs> well, orange is the best color for a computer. Uh, maybe I'll have to, but it's so thin. I don't even want to put an orange case on it. I just, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, it, it's a nice computer. I'm glad we got a chance to get our hands on it. Me one. too. And it really does feel like kind of a scrunched down MacBook Pro. I mean, it's got the same kind of design language, the the rounded um, uh, corners on the bottom of the case versus the top, like the the radius on the bottom half is a little more extreme than it is on the top, but it totally works. And I think you could slip this thing in your bag and not really feel it. It's a nice computer. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business. You can stand out with Squarespace by building a beautiful website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything, your product, services, even the content you create. Squarespace has you covered. You can use insights to grow your business. Have you ever just looked at your website and wondered where all these people are coming from, how sales are generated, which channels are being the most effective? Well, you can analyze all that in Squarespace. Once you've got that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or the most popular products and content. Plus, you can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Why not encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers? Just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logos. Plus, their built-in analytics measure the impact of every email sent. I love building on top of Squarespace. Uh, just recently, I was helping an organization, and they were doing an in-person event, and they wanted a landing page. You know, a visitor could scan a QR code on the phone and go to this really nice landing page about the event, how to give. And y'all, it was so easy to put something together with video, nice-looking typography, and, of course, a donation button. But Squarespace fits anything you need. Go check it out for yourself and see there's a free trial waiting for you at squarespace.com MPU, and there's no credit card required to sign up. But when you're ready to launch, remember the offer code MPU. That's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com MPU and the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their ongoing support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. We didn't talk about everything. This is we're all just coming hot off of Apple Park, but there's some other things I wanted to get through. Uh, starting with Mac OS Ventura, what do you think of the name? I didn't know where that was. Yeah, you know, being a native Tennessean, I'm yeah. not intimately familiar with California geography. But you explained to me that basically it's like just a hot, scrubby place. It's north not of my the city. Fa- it's not my favorite place. North of LA. Yeah, when I went to law school, I lived just at the south end of Ventura, and. Yeah, it's, there's some nice beaches there too. There you go. But I just feel like we got we got better places in California. <laughs> we're not we're not representing. Don't get mad at me if you're in Ventura, but I do feel like we got better places. Yeah, you we've enraged a whole city. Yeah, uh, I know. There's plenty of other. Uh, there's a macOS release every year. They'll they'll come back around. Yeah. Um, almost all the stuff we've spoken about so far is coming to Ventura. So the mail updates, 
Freeform when it shows up. The uh, collaboration stuff is coming to macOS. But a couple of macOS-specific things here. Uh, the first being continuity camera. And so this is the ability to use your iPhone as a Mac webcam. And there have been third-party apps that do this. I got Sherlocked today. But uh, this will work with any, basically any video app on Mac OS can, can use this feature. And in the keynote, Craig showed off this like little magnetic MagSafe like puck thing that he clipped to the top of the, of his, the notebook in the demo. Apparently Apple's working with Belkin to make those. And I'm sure there will be a flood of third parties that make them. And, uh, you know, for different situations, right? Like I'm reminded uh, very fondly of the like the old eyesight cameras like you had a mount for your imac g4 and one for your power book and one for the emac like um i'm sure that ecosystem will spring up around this but it's a fantastic feature i mean even like you and i both have the same lg 4k webcam on top of our xdrs and like the iphone camera still looks better oh yeah the lg doesn't look very good in comparison Mm -hmm. i and and i've been using my phone with third-party apps to do this in the past but you've got to cable them in and there aren't really a lot of good solutions this thing um it was wireless when they when they did the demo dropped it into a little like kind of half case that sits on the top of your monitor it looked like the one that he had and he didn't say this specifically looked like it had a built-in light in it i I couldn't i think that was i don't know if that was the clip or that i think that was in software okay they were like dimming the background and kind of lightening up your face either way because they've got the portrait camera in there they can do stuff like that and then the thing the thing where the whole room kind of got or the i guess it's not really a room the thing where the whole park got kind of excited was they also in addition to using the main lens for your portrait image they're using the wide lens to shoot down at your keyboard and your hands so like if you want to draw a picture or something while you're on a call you push a button and you've got a separate camera shooting that angle yeah you know i built i mean you've seen pictures of it yeah i built a whole rig in my studio to shoot top-down footage yeah right like out of like pipe and lumber and you know screws and glue right like and this is just like using that camera and using machine learning to like strain out the image uh that is going to be so cool i mean there's so many times like the what I thought instantly about was my wife Mary, who's a teacher. You know, she taught virtually for a year and a half. Yeah. And there would have been so many times where that would have been useful for her, and hopefully she never has to go back to that work situation. But like there, there's so many opportunities for that to be useful. Um, you know, I, I thought about you as well in your uh, your field guides and the videos you do, the educational stuff you do. Yeah. Like being able to show, you know, like. Not only like maybe what you're doing with your hands on the keyboard or trackpad, but show that maybe you're showing something off that's on the Mac and the iPad, right? You could you could be filming you, yeah. you could be screen recording on Mac OS, yeah. and you could be capturing the this wide angle top down video all at once. Like to do that before you would have to have rigging and all sorts of stuff, and now it just is just gonna work for you. Yeah, like I've been working on there's a future field guy that involves me writing in a book too. And like it's like a double shoot. You gotta shoot the video of me, you gotta shoot the video of the screen, then you gotta shoot the video of the top down writing in the book 
Whereas I think this, and we have to see the quality, but I think this could be something where you could do it all at once. Especially if it's like a picture-in-picture thing. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see how that how that works out. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I was thinking through, like, I definitely have, you know, I think I've got like an iPhone 8 laying around that I may just, dip, you know, just yeah. mount on top of my display. No, why not? I and mean, get rid of that LG thing. And, and the, the downside of using your iPhone as your camera for this stuff is it's, no longer your iPhone. It doesn't work as an iPhone. And that's the case here too. But, uh, you know, with the third party app solutions, usually you do have to have a cable and you do have to run a specific app on your phone. And it, it is a little fiddly to set all that up. The way I understand this is you just drop it in and it starts going. And I can't wait to see how that works out because I, I think that that is solving a huge problem for a lot of people. It would have been great if we had this two years ago, but I'm sure it took a long time to, to put it together. But I can see this really helping a lot of people because uh, I know that the iPhone is the best lens and camera system that a lot of people listening have. Yeah. Also, I want to mention uh, family photo sharing. Yes. We have talked about this for years. And so how this is going to work is that you, you have to be in the family sharing setup, which I think a lot of people are now. It's been great for my family. And everyone still has their own individual photo libraries, but now there is a shared photo library for the family, and everyone has equal equal permissions, and and so you can uh, move your own photos into that library. But there's also Apple's done a lot of really clever things to make that easy. Yeah. And so thinking about the onboarding, you can say, I want every picture, you know, past a certain date, or photos that are just me and these other people. Or now in the camera app, there'll be a button and you can say, just as I take this photo, save it to that photo library, which like, I promise you, like, you know, when all this is out, cause I'm not going to make my wife run a beta for this, yeah. but once it's all out and I have all this set up, like when we go on a camping trip or we take the kids to, you know, a sporting event, whatever it is, like we're supposed to go and turn that mode on yeah, and then, you know, sort through them later. I'm I'm really excited about it. I think they've done it the right way from like a privacy and a safety perspective where you're opting into those photos that, that move over. Now, I think there is a switch to just make them all go, but you've got to set that up. And I'm really, I'm so excited about it because, I mean, there's so much duplication and like when we go on a trip, when I get home, I export all the photos out of my photo library that I took on the trip. And I do the same with my wife's MacBook Air and then I, swap them around it's like i can get rid of all of that workflow now yeah and just really seamlessly do this and so this is definitely something i think we will be talking about in the fall as it rolls out because i think a lot of people this is another thing that got a lot of attention live because so many people have this have this workflow i mean everybody's wanted this all for so long i mean the way we kind of get around it in my family is shared albums but then you've got to make a separate shared album for every event the picture quality isn't as good and it still doesn't really solve the problem. Like for you and Mary, I bet there's a bunch of family events where you are both iCloud storing the same photos. Oh yeah. You or know? anytime I duplicate all those, right? It's like yeah. coming out of my family shared space that I pay for. So yeah. yeah, being able to pare that down will be great. And I like that the edits are universal. So like my wife is not a photo editor and I try to spend some time like cleaning my stuff up and we'll all just benefit from yeah, that. She gets the benefit of yeah, your Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And so I, I am just so excited about that and it's such a long time coming, but now that it's here, I see that they've, there was a lot to think through, you yeah. know, and, and especially with the onboarding, 
I mean, I've got like actually have photos open in the background. I mean, I've got 51,000 photos in my photo library. Like how do I sort through what goes in the family and what doesn't? Well, Apple's giving me tools to do that. Yeah. I mean, we had on mother's day, we had like 20 Filipinos in my house and all, everybody's just yelling airdrop at each other at the same time, right? Because that's what you do, right? Yeah. You know, um, so I, I think that um, this is a uh, a much better system. And like again, we're right off the keynote, so we got to get our hands on it. But this is exactly what I think we were looking for, a thing where you can say, okay, we're going to have a shared album. Uh, a couple limitations, you only get one shared album for your family sharing. You don't have like two or three you'll have one right so you to put some detail on that i can't have one that's just me and my wife and then another one that has also has all of our kids in it yeah yeah we gotta keep that stuff to a private photo stream i guess yeah but the uh but i think this is definitely gonna solve the problem for most people i think it'll definitely solve it for us yeah and and we won't have to do the airdrop dance anymore and we won't have to do all the shared albums and it's just and frankly i think the storage will go down because now we're not going to have like most of the family pictures. There's a set on Daisy's phone and there's a set on my phone. They're the same pictures. Yeah. 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 I'm excited about that. Um, let's, let's wind down the grab bag talking a little bit about, uh, watch health fitness features. Yeah. So a big thing that, uh, I think is really cool is that the fitness app is going to come just to the iPhone. Currently you have to have an Apple watch to have access to that app and they're going to bring what they can in terms of, fitness tracking, step counting, that sort of stuff, just to the iPhone directly. And I think that is a, a, a great move. Um, but if you do have an Apple Watch, there's some new fitness stuff. There's a lot of stuff around training. The, the example in the keynote was running, where they're going to have uh, some some more structured training and a lot more detail in tracking. And so, again, with the running example, things like uh, your contact time with the pavement things with your stride and they're working all this out by like the little watch on your wrist it's incredible to me the data that they can they can pull from that um a couple other things just watch os 9 features uh voice over ip calls on watch os so you can take a zoom call on your watch i guess they implement that that's fine everybody's favorite feature more (laughs) zoom Uh, photos picker is coming to the watch which is awesome um, but one feature you and I are both excited about is medication support. And that's broader than just the watch. It's also in the health app on the iPhone where you can set up your prescriptions, what you take, when you take it. It will remind you when to take it. It'll log when you do. So you say, hey, yes, I took this. So you can have a history. But one of the thing, well, the thing that really blew me away was the drug interaction. Yeah, me too. Feature. I was going to mention that if you didn't. Unbelievable. So they are partnering with. Um, uh, I googled them quickly. It's like a basically like a drug reference kind of encyclopedia. Yeah. And so, so say that I'm on you know a couple of medications and I am prescribed a third one. It can catch if there's possible interactions. You know, your doctor's supposed to catch that. Your pharmacist is supposed to catch that. But I like that it's another line of defense because that can be a really, like, I know, like, firsthand, personally, a very serious thing. Yeah. And I'm so excited about this. I mean, I've got a couple things I take every day, and I have them in the Do app. Like, I'm just going to move them into health because then I have it in with all my other health stuff. 
I agree. And you're right. I mean, just making that easier for people and yeah. the direct, like a lot of us have multiple doctors and you don't yeah. know if they all are on the same page. Yeah. Um, so I think the interactions thing is awesome. And that's an example of bringing, I think, artificial intelligence and database work to bear. But yeah, and you look at it as a user as just a warning. You know, you, if you say see something and then you call your doctor and say hey i got this thing yeah. what do you think it's not i don't think they're intending to become your doctor no, they're but, not. but they uh they do give you something to work with another thing on health that they did is they added sleep cycles yeah so now you can find out your rem sleep and mm -hmm. everything with the apple built-in app and they apparently spent a lot of time uh testing this against you know harder science and harder yeah. data so i'm looking forward to seeing that as well I, I am interested in rem cycles but i never have much luck with the apps that track it so i'm really curious to see what they do yeah apple's got the resources to really dive into that stuff and, yeah and every you know i've talked to some people in the health team over the years and i always get the impression that this stuff is like they take it deadly seriously you know like it, yeah. it is when they roll a feature out like this it is something that has been well-developed, well-researched. And what I love, and I love that Apple calls it out, of um, working with outside partners to to bring their expertise into the software development task within Apple. We did not get our watch faces. No. So it seems we got a couple of new ones, and there's some stuff about complications. Um, but, yeah, no, no – still – no third-party watch faces. I'd still like them to do more with some of the old ones that were really good, but that still seems to be a bit of a sticking point. Yeah. Uh, did you see any of the new ones? Did, did any of them look good to you? Uh, yeah, I liked the. Um, oh, man, I forget their names, and I'm like trying to find their yeah, names. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the same thing here, madly googling. But there's one where you can change the size of the numbers with yes. the dial. That yeah. one looked like eh, I might be able to use that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, that's metropolitan. Yeah. Uh, there, they did remaster the astronomy face, which is one that I always loved. That was one yeah. an early watchOS watch face. Uh, there's lunar calendar, and then there's playtime, which has like fun animated characters. Yeah, I don't it. think I'm the target demographic for that one. <laughs> that's okay. I feel like we just scratched the surface at WWDC this year, but that's uh, the stuff you know that uh, that we got to fit in today. There's so much more we didn't get a touch on. We will continue to unpack this over the summer and let us know in the forums if you've got uh questions we are doing next week our live q a episode yeah so if you've got questions that we didn't get to uh hit, hit us up on that episode yeah um we can there's a lot more here yeah but so we're recording that a week from tomorrow and you can sign up uh we've got a webinar link you can sign up for and by then uh, I'll have more experience with the betas. Will you have any beta experience by then, Stephen? Yeah, I will. When I get home, I'm going to uh, spend some time getting installed on things. Okay, so we'll be able to talk about that more, and we'll have more to to discuss with on the show. Uh, before we wrap up, it's uh, it's really nice seeing you, man. <laughs> it is. I have really been. It has meant so much more to me to see people than I thought it would. Yeah, like to get to see you, get to see Jason, and underscore and john Voorhees and and so, I mean, we, we met many so many developer friends today i met tyler stallman for the first time yeah who i've known for years it's like he's a real person yeah. it's wild it's so great and to hear just you know to catch up with people and apples missed it they said they missed it but i have to yeah yeah it's good 
All right, gang, go check it out. We've got some links in the show notes for you. If you have questions, there's a forum at talk.macpowerusers.com where you can weigh in, let us know what you're thinking. Yeah. And um, to the extent we got anything wrong today, give us a little bit of patience. We're literally recording this just after we walked across the street yeah. from Apple Park. Yeah. So we're, we're doing our best. But I, I think we got a lot, and uh, it is fun getting this out right afterwards so people it can is. kind of enjoy it. Yeah, and thanks to our sponsors, 1Password, Sourcegraph, Electric, and Squarespace. Uh, we should say there is no more power users this week just because time constraints in this space. Uh, we will make it up to you, I promise. Um, but thank you to our members who support us directly. Uh, we are recording a member special. That'll be out uh, in a couple weeks. You'll hear more about that on the live show. And... Uh, Yeah, this has been great, David. See you next time. Bye, y'all.